0: Well, good morning. Welcome, we are glad you're here. I wanna extend my welcome again. If it's your first time to be with us here at Riverside, please know uh, how thrilled we are uh, that you're in the room. We know every week we have people that that come in for the first time and we're so glad that you're here and you decided to be with us. And for all of you who I see every week, welcome back. I'm glad you keep coming back, especially as we track through this series on grow. And so if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, let me catch up real fast. Uh, What we've been talking about here in this place uh, is really what does it mean to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? And how do I grow my faith? And is it possible to grow my faith? And how do we as a church grow? How does that work? How do we grow our faith? How do we grow both uh, in, in, in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual depth, in our relationship with Jesus, uh, not only as an individual but as a church? How do we grow in number? How does that work? How does How does growth happen? And so a couple of weeks ago we kind of started with this idea that that really, for anything to grow, there's one ingredient that has, to have, that has to happen in every life, and that's time. It takes time to grow. And our responsibility is to put ourselves in a position uh, to grow in knowing God. And then last week, we talked about this idea, too, that really for any healthy plant to grow, it has to have healthy roots. Roots that are going down deep into the rich soil of God's love. And that's where we want to be rooted, is rooted in the rich soil that is the love of God. And, and, I, and I talked about this last week. Like, I'm, I'm really kicking myself. Like, uh, you know, I want to have one of those breakthrough ideas that just makes you an insane amount of money, like selling dirt. You know, what a great idea. Let me bag up some dirt. I'm going to sell it and make a kill. And People do this, apparently, and it works. We buy it when we go, you know, buy these beautiful flowers. And we go buy dirt as well. Well, as I was getting ready for this message on, on, uh, on this, this idea today, I came across another story. Because there's, there's another ingredient that's essential for every plant, for every really for every living thing. It's in the room all around us, although you probably haven't noticed it or acknowledged it. But if for some reason it were to disappear, all of us simultaneously would be desperate for it, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your economic standing, regardless of what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothes you wear. If Somehow, if the air went out of the room, all of us at the same time would be desperate to breathe, Right? This is, this is one of those things we all have to have to live. Whether you're a plant or you're a human being or you, you exist, any, if you have life, you need air. You need air. Well, do we have any NBA fans in the room this morning? Any Anybody? Okay, a couple of you guys. Okay, good, good, good. So in the back, yeah, I, I got you, man. Under Armour. Yep, you and me. NBA all the way. Uh, you may or know if if you're an NBA fan, you may not. I'll catch you up real quick. Quick story uh, that just a few weeks ago was Kobe Bryant's last basketball game. He plays for the Lakers. He's played for about 20 years. Incredible career. With Kobe, it's like either you love him or you don't, right? There's no really in between. Uh, and so if you don't love Kobe, just hang with me for a second, just for the story. So it was the last game at the Staples Center uh, there in Los Angeles, and tickets were going for over $2,000. Now, by the way, if you're not following NBA basketball, the Lakers have not been good, okay? So normally you get in a whole lot cheaper, especially in the last couple of years. But for this game, with it being his very last game, people were paying exorbitant amounts of money to see Kobe play one last time. And you might say they got their money's worth. He scored like over 60 points. It was an incredible game to watch. But what was most interesting to me was that after the game, what happened? Because all of a sudden, after the game on eBay, start popping up all kinds of things for sale, like maybe a program from from Kobe Bryant's last game or a souvenir cup or some other trinket or a ticket stub from the last game. People wanting to buy things uh, that were there at at Kobe Bryant's last game for the LA Lakers uh, at the Staples Center. But then this popped up. Did you see this? Someone put up a bag of air for sale. I am not making this up, okay? This is, you can go look up this story. It's on, it's on sportsillustrated.com. Somebody like took a Ziploc back, and I don't know if they like kind of waved it around and caught some air and zipped it up real quick or what. This, this had to be a hoax. They put it up on sale with a, like a, a piece of tape and a marker, you know, air from Kobe Bryant's last game, starting bid, $1. The story gets crazy. Because then all of a sudden, reputable eBay people like this wasn't a hoax started bidding on this. It went up for over $800, and then the the highest bid I saw, if you can put it up there, was over $15,000 for a Ziploc bag of air. Are you kidding me? I think they took it down before it actually sold, which I I hope is true, because there's no way that could be for real, right? (laughs) Because if you won this bag of air, then then you, even if you couldn't have made the game, you could breathe the same air as Kobe Bryant on the last night he played. That's, that's what we're selling here, right? This is amazing stuff. I, don't, I can't make this stuff up. You know, uh, but it reminds me too. A lot of us, we're this way. Like we're in awe of people. There's people that we idolize. There's people that we hold up. There's people that we even, we say things like we worship the ground they walk on and we would give anything to breathe the same air as them, Right? And so we'll stand in line to wait to get an autograph from an from athlete or from a, 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 some sort of artist or entertainer or celebrity or actor or whoever. Because we want to we be in their presence. And then a lot of times, have you ever done this where you've gotten actually to meet somebody that you really, really look up to? You really, really idolize some celebrity in your world. And then you finally get to shake their hand and maybe you're like, I'm never washing this hand again, you know. But you see them and you meet them and you, it's like you're speechless, you can't even breathe. You're, you're finally in their presence and you're just like awestruck, right? Now, this happens with people. This happens with God. Some of you have read your Bibles and you know the stories over and over again. People had encounters, people like Isaiah or Elijah or even Paul, who we've been reading some of his words this, these last few weeks. Whenever they had a, a, an encounter with God, they were most often left speechless, breathless. And maybe you've felt this way before. Have you ever felt like you just couldn't catch your breath? Maybe you, were, uh, maybe you got the, the, the wind knocked out of you, you know, got, got, you got your breath knocked out and that, that feeling is the worst feeling in the world because you know you need to breathe, but you can't and you want to, but you, for whatever reason you can't. Or maybe you were playing with some friends in the pool, guys, and, and, and they held you underwater a little too long, right? And you're like dying to get up and to catch your breath. If you've ever had this experience, you know how important it is to breathe. But air is one of those things we kind of take for granted, isn't it? Even with plants, you might say, hey, give that plant some more water or "or give it some more light. You never hear anybody say, hey, give that plant some more air. Like it just, it has that. It's an unlimited resource and, and it has that. We take it for granted. You, you breathe right now. You're breathing in air, but you don't even think about it. It just happens. We take it for granted. And the truth is, is I think that we do the same thing with God and with The word of God. Because chances are, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have probably, if you're anything like me, you've got like 20 Bibles laying around your house, collecting dust on a bookshelf, you know. Uh, You know the word of God and you come here and you hear it every week, but you may or may not pick it up day to day because you just take it for granted. It's there. If you need it, you know where to go look it up. You, You know how to find things. You can Google anything you want these days. We kind of take the word of God for granted. And what's astounding is that, did you know there's, there's approximately 180 million people on the planet who don't have access to scripture? Like they speak one of some 1800 languages uh, in which the Bible is yet to be translated. They don't even have access to the word of God. And yet you and I, we just treat it like it's another book on the shelf. But we know, we know, we know in our heads and we've known in our heart before that the word of God is is the breath of God. In fact, Paul said this once in 2 Timothy. We've been reading Paul's words to the Ephesians, but but in the letter to one of his friends, Timothy, he said that, that all scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. This is the word of God. So that every, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like, so, so if scripture is God breathed, then, then literally the words of scripture are God's breath on a page. This is our spiritual air. This is the breath in our lungs. It's the word of God, And we know that the word of God is alive and active. It's unlike any other written word, any other book you have. I can't explain it, but I can't deny it. And you know it's true if you've ever sat with it for any length of time, that something happens when you breathe in the breath of God, which is the word of God. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to just breathe deeply the breath of God on the page This morning. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I want you to open up to Ephesians 2. Kirk read a few of these verses a while ago, but we're gonna read, hopefully, if we can get through them, the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2. And what I want you to do is I want you to open your word in whatever form you have it. And I want you to get ready to breathe in the breath of God, to inhale the word of God, the breath of God, On a page. And I want you to hear these words that Paul wrote to these believers in the city of Ephesus when he said this. Ephesians 2, verse 1. Let's breathe it in together. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. We're going to stop right there. Once you were dead because of your disobedience in your many sins I want you to breathe this in for a minute that this is your, your reality and my reality before Christ that, that our sin it, it didn't make us bad and Jesus didn't come to make us better like our sin we were dead And it wasn't because of mistakes that we made on accident. It was because of disobedience. And by definition, disobedience are things we decided to do on purpose. And we have to just kind of step into that, don't we, and own that for a minute and breathe this in? I mean, can I just confess that I'm a sinner? And there are many times when I do things and I I make mistakes and, and they aren't intentional and they hurt people and they hurt you and they hurt others there are also times which I'm ashamed to admit when I willfully make choices and I am disobedient toward God and toward you and toward others. And I, and I did that on purpose. And it's because of that sin, it's in my heart and in my life that when it comes to God and my relationship with him, I'm dead. Because with God, what sin does is it causes death. And what death is in scripture is it's separation, separation from God. And because of my sin, because of your sin, this is our situation. We are separated from God. But we live in a culture, don't we, that doesn't make much of sin we actually live in a culture that tries to glamorize sin and, and romanticize sin and make it look like it's the norm and make it, at least if, if, if you do participate in these things that, that we would deem sinful, then we at least categorize them as understandable and we explain them and we rationalize them away. But, but listen to how Paul talks about this. He goes on. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit of at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. These words ought to shock us back to life because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be categorized as a group of people who are living in sin, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. And we've said it in here before, but let's say it again. Let's acknowledge this truth. The devil is real. He is alive and he is well. And he is relentless and he has nothing to lose and everything to gain. And he's gonna come after you and your marriage and your family and whatever you have because his one goal is to take you down. There is a a war going on, it's being waged and we don't talk about it, we don't acknowledge it, but let's just say it again. Paul spells it out here that the devil is the commander of the powers in the unseen world and he's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God today i want you to know at the end here in a few minutes we're going to take a moment to pray and and if you feel like the devil has a foothold in your life in any way one thing we want to do is we want to pray and i can guarantee you this in that act of obedience in that act of calling on the name of jesus we also know from scripture that the devil will flee from you in verse three paul says this all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And I don't know about you, but we talk a lot about the love of God, but we very rarely talk about the anger of God. And you want to talk about what makes God angry? Sin. Sin makes God angry. Because God hates sin. And God hates it. I just want to be honest with you. I want to say this in a very loving way. But God hates it when you sin. God hates it when you gossip. God hates it when you lie. God hates it when you cheat. He hates it when you steal. He hates it when you're greedy. He hates it when you're selfish. God hates adultery. God hates pornography. God hates when you are unkind. God hates it when you treat others as objects. God hates sin and until you hate sin and I hate sin the way God hates sin, until we come to grips with the, the brutality and the finality of, of the reality of sin, then we'll never get on the same page. Because God has a relationship with sin. He hates it. He absolutely hates sin. It makes God angry. It makes God angry because it was sin that broke creation. It was sin that separated God from humanity. It was sin that put Jesus on the cross. It it was sin that destroyed his relationship with with all of us. It was sin that, that, that put us in the situation that we are in today where everything around us is broken. It was all sin. God hates sin. And God, it makes God angry. But knowing all of that, and just breathing that in for a minute, as raw and as ugly and as truthful as it is. That's not where we're going to land today. Because I want you to breathe in these next two verses, which I believe are the whole gospel. In verse 4, Paul says this. But God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus Christ up from the dead. And it's only by grace that you have been saved. I don't know if you circle or underline or highlight in your Bible, but I would encourage you to to circle those first two words, but God. There it is. Life was headed one way, but God entered the picture. Our story was being written in one direction, but God came in and he wrote a new chapter. But God came into the story. And listen to what God did. God, who is rich in mercy, what did he do? He loved us. He loved us and he gave us his son and he saved us by grace. This is the whole gospel. God loved, God gave, God saved. This is the activity of God in your life, in my life. Knowing our sinful and current condition as people who were disobedient and dead because of our sin, God wasn't content to let things stay that way. So God came and God loved, rich in mercy, and God saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he gave for us. This is the gospel. And this morning, what I want you to do is breathe this in and breathe it in deeply. Don't ever mistake God's disdain for sin for God's disappointment with you. Don't ever mistake God's anger at sin as God's anger with you because God's love for you far outweighs God's anger for your sin. God has never been angry with you. He's angry with your sin, but he's not angry with you because God loves you. And if you ever doubt that even for one millisecond, take one look at the cross of Jesus Christ and you will see just how great his love is for you. And for me, and this morning, what Paul wants to do for you and for me is to remind us, to remind us to breathe in the gospel, which is the good news that God loved, God gave and God saved. And then he says this, for he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus, so God put to us, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as to shown in all He has done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning: Are you united with Christ Jesus? Are you experiencing this resurrection life we've sung about this morning? Because this is it. You see, the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the grave, it wasn't just his resurrection day. It was your resurrection day too. It was the day that God raised all of us up and gave us the opportunity to live a resurrected life, this new life in Christ. This is what what Paul is saying here, that because of Jesus, God can point to us as living examples of what he can do in a life through us. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, by the way. It's a gift from God, okay? You can't buy this, you can't earn this, you can't make a power play for this, you can't talk your way into it, you can't get it any other way except you have to receive it It as a free gift of Jesus Christ through God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done, so stop trying to do that. None of us can boast about it, so stop trying to do that, for we are God's masterpiece. This is who you are, this is who I am, not because of anything we've done, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. We are the masterpiece of God. And he has created us anew, brand new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long, long ago. And this morning, what I want to ask you to do is to breathe in this gospel and breathe in deeply. Why? Because this is who we are. This is who you are. I know the enemy's been whispering lies in your ear, telling you things that you're not good enough or you're gonna do that again or it's not gonna work out for you or people can't love you because of what you did or God can't love you because of what you did or it's never gonna work out for you because of who you are and what's happened to you in your past. But let me tell you, this is, this is what God is trying to breathe into you this morning, that you are his masterpiece. That when he looks on you, he looks on you with joy and pride and he points to you as an example for everyone else to look at about what can happen when Jesus Christ comes into a life. And that is who you and I are to be. Living, breathing examples for the world to see of what can happen. Yeah, we're broken, we're messed up, we're jacked up, things didn't go our way, but this is what life looks like when Jesus Christ steps into our world. He can turn it upside down and he makes all things right and all things new. And it may not look like that from the outside, but we've got this peace that passes understanding. We've got got things in our life that we just can't quite explain because God is at work in our life. We've got a community of people around us that have come around us and they, and they, they love us and they take care of us and they step into the gap for us. It's not because we're that good, it's because we're that loved. That's who we are as a people. That's who we are as a people loved by God and loved by the people of God. This is who we are. But I think sometimes we... We just forget. We forget to breathe. Have you flown on a plane lately? Anybody done this? I know a few of you have been traveling. If you've ever flown on a plane before, they always do the exact same thing every time when you get on the plane. They close the doors, the flight attendant gets up, right? And they give the whole spiel, and if you've flown more than once, this is the moment when you pull out your phone and you're checking your text and your email and you're, you're letting mom and dad know your flight's about to take off and your friends and family know what's gonna happen next and you're checking Twitter one last time before you have to put your plane in airplane mode and you have to be without for like an hour and a half, which is the worst thing in the world, right? But if you've ever watched that spill, you know what they say. They say, in case of an emergency, what's gonna happen? These oxygen masks are gonna drop down from above you and they're going to land right here above your head. And then they always say the same thing, and I was kind of surprised I remembered this because I always check out like you do during this time. But they always say the same thing. They always say, make sure you secure this mask on your, on your own face first before you turn to the person next to you and help them. Now, why do they say that? You know, I'm a, I'm a dad, I've got kids. If, if this plane is, is hitting trouble and these masks drop down, my first instinct is going to be to get my kids set up before I ever take care of myself. But they say that every time, always make sure you put the mask on yourself before you help someone next to you. And I think the reason is, they know something. They know that if you can't breathe, you can't help anybody else breathe. They know how important air is. And when I ask you this morning, man, are you breathing in the breath of God? Because if you're not breathing in the breath of God, then you can't help anybody else breathe it in either. And yet this is God's desire for us. This is a big part of it. You know this, right? I mean, for us to breathe in the breath of God, but then to also to share the air, to turn to the, next, the person next to us and to help them breathe, to help them find the oxygen that we have found. And if you're anything like me, there was a time, there was a point, there was a moment in your life when you found that air for the very first time and you were excited for God. In fact, we say things like, yeah, I was on fire for God. Or I was, I was just, I was really, my heart was beating for God. We say things like that. And we see people like this who have found God. Maybe it happened when you were a teenager. Or maybe it happened at another high watermark moment in your life where you experienced God like you had never experienced him before. And it's like you had found air for the first time and you couldn't get enough. And then something happened. I guess it's kind of like riding that airplane over and over again. You just, you keep hearing the, the presentation and, and you figure, well, nothing really has happened at this point. And you know it's there, it's kind of like this, you come to church every week, you hear the same deal, but we take it for granted and we don't breathe it in. And we've lost that passion to tell other people about this, the same source of life that we have found. And what's even more indicting for me, and maybe this is true for you, I don't know, is that I see people around me struggling to breathe sometimes. And I don't help them. Maybe it's somebody at your school or at your work or at Walmart or at the grocery store in the parking lot. And you can just tell they're struggling for air. And you know know the source of the breath of God. And you don't say anything. What's worse is you start making assumptions if you're anything like me, well, it's, it's their fault they can't breathe. They probably got their into that situation. If they'd made better choices, if they had done this and not done that, well, I can explain to you all the reasons why they can't breathe. And what I'm gonna even do on top of that is I'm gonna say, it's really not my problem. Or even this, how about this? It's not my place. And the plane is crashing and the air is dangling above their head. And you and I won't even reach over to show them how they can breathe. And I don't know about you, but for me, I think it's time to read these words anew and to breathe in deeply the breath of God and to be challenged, not just to breathe the breath of God, but to share the air, to share the story that gives life to share the breath of God on the page with those around us who need it because this is how we grow. Church, if you would stand with me. I was thinking about it this week. You know, there's a reason they don't sell plants in Ziploc bags. They would die because plants need air to breathe. And you and I need air to breathe too. And I want to ask our elders and their wives if they would just kind of find a place around the edges of the room. And, and this morning, if as we've been talking, you've been thinking, man, this, you're, you're talking to me because I feel like there's been a, a ton of bricks on my chest and I just couldn't even breathe. And we don't know your situation. These guys may or may not know your name, especially if it's your first time here, but I want you to know that they wanna pray for you. And sometimes the first way to take a breath is just to, to say a prayer. And if that's you, I want to invite you to find find somebody and to pray. Or maybe you feel like those first three verses, like this is who you are, you're dead in your sin. Like you've never even breathed in the breath of God. You've never even made this decision to let Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior and to to, to come and to, to give you this resurrected life that we've been talking about. And if that's you, I want you to know that these guys, myself, any of us, we would also love the chance to talk to you about that. Talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with this Jesus that gives this life and gives this breath in our lungs. To tell you what it means to step into the waters of baptism and to begin this resurrected life with Christ that we've been reading about all morning long. We would love nothing more than the chance to do that. But for the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so, we've been breathing in this good news, this gospel. That God loved, God gave, and God saved and after breathing that in for the last 25 minutes or so, what I want us to do now is just excel in praise. Because as we breathe in the breath of God, there's no better way than to excel, than to excel the praise of God. And so let's join our voices and our hearts together in this song. And if you need prayer for any reason, find one of us and let us pray over you and for you in this moment. But let's sing.